Well, hello everyone. Welcome to our world, especially my world as a holistic nurse. Since in, in holistic nursing, even before, you know, I always think of different aspects of uh, life that affects our health. So we were really excited and I'm most honored to have Dr. Mercola come back again. And I know that this topic is a little touchy topic. So we, my intention is not to please any people because this is not about pleasing you not making enemies or something, but this is just bringing the truth. And this is one offer for you to hear a different view or different views, different perspectives. Now, what you do with this information, that's up to you because in, at the end of the day, this is really what we want is just the freedom to choose where we want to go with our life. So P Dr. Peter McCullough, I know most uh, our audience know you already, but if you just want to like say anything again to reintroduce yourself, please do so. Thank I'm you. Yeah, I'm delighted to be on the program, Dr. Peter McCullough. I'm a practicing internist and cardiologist in Dallas, Texas. I'm trained in epidemiology. I hold degrees from Baylor, University of Texas Southwestern, University of Michigan, Southern Methodist University. I've been a leader in the pandemic response, uh, publishing now uh, you know, a full portfolio of papers outlining how the virus should be treated. Uh, critical papers now on COVID-19 vaccine safety. I've given numerous uh, commentary uh, you know, in a whole variety of media outlets. I've testified the US Senate multiple times, chaired two critical committees on vaccines. And then I've testified in multiple state houses across the country, recently European Parliament. So I'm delighted to be here and help out the group uh, in any way I can. Oh, big news. I just uh, had my foundation approved. It's called McCullough Foundation. I put the website in the linkage. Uh, you know, I'm serving uh, as a pro bono witness in over 100 cases right now, trying to help uh, people who have been damaged in the hospital with the vaccines, have lost their jobs and suffered other tragedies. So uh, great support for the McCullough Foundation. If you can put that uh, that website in the show notes, that'd be terrific, thanks. Yes, I'll make sure I'll do that, Dr. McCullough. And uh, you've been traveling also, so keep an eye on uh, schedules for Dr. McCullough, because I know in September, he'll be in a New Jersey area and we're already organizing who will be with us in a number of tables. So, and we appreciate everything that you do. So listen um, to him and uh, just really pay attention of what he's sharing. So in this word of transgenderism, Dr. McCall, is there even such a word as transgender? We've heard a whole new lexicon uh, that literally has just popped on the scene, including gender fluidity, transgenderism, transsexualism, cis, uh, binary, non-binary, this very confusing language uh, literally has just been beset upon us. What we know is that in the 1960s, less than 1% of the population designated itself LGBT. Now in Gen Z, the most recent generation, it's 20%. This has been one of the largest secular changes we've ever seen. Uh, in society, uh, you know, June was Pride Month, and uh, we saw an explosion of activities, uh, uh, you know, so, some that were really just astonishing, including a group in um, 
the, uh, the you know the San Francisco Giants Stadium, uh, in a sense, mocking the Catholic Church. Uh, that uh, that was a you know a striking moment. There was a parade in New York City joined by House of Representatives uh, Chuck Schumer and Jerry Nadler, but it was a pride parade in New York City where they were chanting, we are queer, we are here, and we're coming for your children. Uh, and so this transgender uh, explosion uh, deserves some analysis as an epidemiologist. I, I asked myself, where is this coming from? Now, it turns out Europe has been ahead of us on this for several years. And paper by van der Miesen from the Netherlands, a very instructional, about 15 years ago. Van der Miesen described the, the kids coming forward for gender change. 20% of them back then had clinical autism, clinical autism. And we know the autism spectrum is much bigger than that. And then a paper by Warrior and colleagues analyzed LGBT people with autism tests, like psychometric tests, and they found they scored off the Richter scale for autism. And so there is actually now abundant evidence that autism and, and related disorders called the essence disorders, it's attention deficit disorder, Asperger's autism, and some other neuropsychiatric syndromes, they're driving this transgender agenda. So these kids uh, feel ostracized. They have a lot of gender ambiguity. They're diagnosed readily with gender dysphoria. And then they're preyed upon in the schools. The pornography is pouring into the schools. The counselors are suggesting that they change their gender. New York State, Washington State, Canada, Australia. Now parents are criminalized if they don't go along with this gender change. This has gone so far that on the American Board of Family Medicine, it, it, there's a board question uh, and it says, if a child is 10 years old and ambiguous regarding their gender, the correct answer is the doctor should start puberty blockers. And to make matters worse, Secretary Beshera of HHS just a few days ago said, any medical center that doesn't perform transgender procedures will actually have its uh, federal funding pulled. It, it seems like everything is just so crazy. And when people always say, that it's, it, how, how can this be possible? So from all the other things that's happening, Dr. McCullough, from the COVID to all these climate change to the war, what are you seeing in terms of are you just seeing that uh, happening in that transgender uh, push, like just a symptom of something bigger or a greater plan? And what do you know about that? The, the themes here are uh, confusion, distraction, changing the human body, what's called transhumanism. These are the themes. Uh, there are themes of weakening westernized countries by uh, allowing open borders, wide open immigration, reckless spending, deficit spending, uh, having new measures come in, uh, uh, passports, uh, digital currency. All, this, all of this appears to be lining up with the World Economic Forum's Aspirations. The World Economic Forum, we believe, is at the head of a biopharmaceutical complex we describe in my book, Courage to Face COVID-19. 
And in that complex, WEF is at the top with the WHO, UN, Gates Foundation, Welcome Trust, Rockefeller Foundation, Gavi, Seppi, Unitate, all these organizations are working as a syndicate. But one of their goals is transhumanism. And this is outlined in the book by Klaus Schwab, the head of the World Economic Forum 2017, Fourth Industrial Revolution. Schwab says in the Fourth Industrial Revolution, the environment doesn't change, but actually the human changes. And he says in that uh, transhumanistic uh, vision that he has, the winner will take all. What does he mean? Is he the winner and we're the losers as our bodies get changed? Uh, I mean, these are uh, statements made by a megalomaniac. Uh, Schwab goes on in 2020 and publishes COVID-19, The Great Reset, and says that the COVID-19 will be an opportunity to reset a new world order. What does he mean? A new order where he's on top? He's given the orders? Uh, you, you know, the, the World Economic Forum has been bringing in the wealthiest CEOs, heads of state, senators, congressmen, uh, governors into Davos every year for meetings. Uh, and we now the World Economic Forum has obvious control over certain government positions. I mean, one of the one of the most egregious examples right now is a World Economic Forum operative, Avril Haines, is our director of national intelligence. And she was part of event 201, the COVID operational meeting, and she was paired with Chinese CDC director George Gao, and in their uh, their analysis, they were handling the issue of what happens if the virus comes out of the lab, which it turns out it did, and how would they cover it up? Do you know Avril Haines is blocking the declassification of documents of all the U.S. government agencies that had a hand in the creation of SARS-CoV-2 in Wuhan with Ralph Barrick, the lead researcher at UNC Chapel Hill? She's blocking it. So this is obvious. There's a theme here. And there is a new world order forming, a biopharmaceutical complex. They're using these biological issues of pandemics, transgenderism, climate change. Uh, another example this is happening is the WHO. The WHO Pandemic Treaty and New Regulations says that the World Health Organization will have dominion over all plants, animals, and humans in the world, binding by international law. It can't be any more clear than that. This group is so powerful. They have so much money. They're working across country lines. They've been meeting for years in Davos. It's happening. Then, Dr. McCaldin, and how can they, we make them responsible? And how can we not make this thing happen? Because if we are not engaged, like we're not doing this discussion and not educating people, they won't understand, like for parents, right? I believe sometimes the parents will agree to any kind of intervention for this uh, identity distortion or confusion because they thought, oh, they don't want them to commit suicide. So are you familiar, Dr. Um, Nicola, about uh, on that 30-year study from Sweden in have you heard about that? And they have a 30 year study in Sweden on that. And that they that the found findings is that the transgender people have a tendency towards lifelong mental 
health problems more than the, if you don't go through this transgender transgenderism. And then it says that it's 20 times more that they might commit suicide. So when parents think that they're helping their families or their children, or if they're an adult already, because some adults, they decide to go through this, basically it doesn't really change or improve their life. Most of what I, I've read and listened to, What's your thought on that? Will that really make them feel good or have a better life or it just goes through crazy other things? I'm glad you brought it up. I'm not familiar with that study, but it is cohesive with other studies. Uh, uh, we know in a paper by Carol uh, Linsk again, it's a, a big long last name from, uh, from Scandinavia, that uh, let's say girls who are coming forward for mastectomy, the mastectomies, when they take off the breasts in young girls, there's drainage problems, 30% complication rates, revisions, adhesions, binding uh, down. Um, it's really a horrific surgery, disfiguring surgery. Do you know in that study, in addition to gender dysphoria, which 100% had gender dysphoria, 40% of the girls had other mental illnesses that the surgeons noted in their database. Now we have a paper in sexual medicine uh, demonstrating that the burden of psychiatric disease gets worse with uh, gender change. doesn't get better, it gets worse. And then I think the key paper supporting your observations is by Jackson and colleagues published in JAMA. And you're right. Once somebody makes the gender change, there's a dramatic increase in homicide, suicide, and death from other causes. So gender change is not a solution for suicidal ideation or intent. In fact, it makes it worse. And recently in the US House of Representatives, Dr. Miriam Grossman testified and somebody on the other side as well was saying, well, we're doing this because otherwise the kids will commit suicide. And Grossman, who's the world's most expert child psychiatrist said, no, that's not true. That gender change does not reduce suicide risk. It actually makes it worse. And she has a book out, by the way, I'd really recommend it's called Lost in Trans Nation, you know, two different words, trans, then nation. It's a home guide for parents, what parents should do to protect their kids against the gender threat. Okay. Thank you very much for everything that you do. And thank you again for joining us. I'm going to pass it on to Roy. Thanks, Chris. Great having you back again, Peter. Thank you. The, like the puberty blockers, like I know there's a lot of side effects with everything, with every medicine, but with that, is there, what, what's it going to do to people? The hormonal therapy that started, if it's, if it's a prepubertal child, they're what's called gonadotropin releasing hormone agonists. These agents physically make the kids sick. In a paper from Portugal by Santos and colleagues, 59% of the kids have headaches, acne, weight gain, sleep disturbance, nausea, vomiting, because the human body is not natural to take puberty blockers. So the kids get sick post-puberty. They take straight androgens or estrogens and have tremendous side effects. So, um, you know, this is so bad that in the UK now, uh, two weeks ago, they banned puberty blockers. The United Kingdom banned them, said that they're actually harming the children uh, they should be banned across the United States, in my view. Okay, thank you. With um, 
like you mentioned about uh, autism and everything and if you look at the even the figures in the cdc you know i don't know was it back in 84 one and how many injections and then the autism rate kind of correlated and as you go down now it's one in 72 jabs but say with the amish uh, community they don't have any of these side effects so is it possible that the vaccines are actually causing these people to have these you know thoughts that they want to change we have to take a look at it. Um, you know, when I was born, autism was one in 10,000. Now it's one in 36 on the CDC website. When I was born, uh, there were uh, three shots, five antigens in the first year of life. Now, a child today faces well over 100 shots through age 18, including the COVID shots. About 200 papers in the peer-reviewed literature showing that autism is a neuropsychiatric disease as a manifestation of some disturbance in the immune system. 200 papers show that. The single greatest thing that perturbs the immune system is mass vaccination in children, which has steadily increased year after year after year. And there are clear vignettes where a child will receive like, you know, six shots all in combinations all at once, six different vaccines all at once have a, a reaction, uh, tonic, clonic, jerking, uh, uh, you know, lobbing eyes, or if a flat out a febrile seizure. And then after that period of time, the child has autism. They start missing their developmental marks. The, the mother knows immediately the child has changed. So those scenarios exist. I think one of the most compelling papers was published about uh, 10 years ago by D. Long. And they used a statewide data on autism, intensity of vaccines, and a very, very clear analysis, ecological analysis, but very clear. The more we hyper-vaccinate the kids, the higher the risk of autism, uh, attention deficit disorder, Asperger's disease, and a related grouping of syndromes called the essence syndromes. So I think that's where we are today. Now, uh, there could be amplifying factors. People have looked at con contaminants in the uh, vaccines, aluminum and mercury, it's possible they could accentuate things. We know that uh, older parents, siblings with autism, and then premature delivery are risk factors. Uh, but hyper-vaccination based on the totality of the literature looks like it's the culprit. And uh, now multiple studies, Hooker, Miller, uh, Thomas, the Amish study you quoted, if the kids go natural in today's world where we don't have the threats of yesteryear, Going natural is far better than taking all these shots. There's lower rates of asthma, need for tympanostomy tubes, uh, allergic rhinitis, dermatitis, and lower rates of neuropsychiatric syndromes, including autism. And I see like a lot of epilepsy as well. And what I've noticed is like with the chipping, it kind of happened in the animals. They were kind of con conditioning people, get your dog and your cat vaxxed every year. I'm seeing a lot, like my brother's dog died from a vaccine and I've, I mm. see a lot of people having problems. So it's like, if it's doing it to the animals, it's doing it to the humans, but there's no kind of, you know, nobody being held accountable. We've had about 150 years of vaccine ideology. Probably goes back to Edward Jenner, Louis Pasteur. And what we know is that there's been a belief that the human body is vulnerable, that, that man through science can make it stronger. We should all take these vaccines. We can't question them. It uh, turns out none of the vaccines work very well. I mean, that's the, that's the interesting thing. So for instance, polio, rates of polio were plummeting before the vaccines ever came out. 
And then there was a problem with the oral polio vaccine uh, in, of which as a kid I took, and I remember I took it and then, it, then there was a problem. So I had to take polio shots. I've been like double vaccinated, uh, you know, across this. Um, uh, but they, it's, it's simply, you know, it didn't account for the drop in polio. Then we look at mumps, conventional mumps outbreaks in the world. People are fully vaccinated. The vaccine doesn't work. Same thing with measles, pertussis, diphtheria. Probably the most compelling vaccine that looks like it really works is German measles or rubella, but it's just needed for girls as they approach the childbearing age. You know, the boys don't get significant German measles. So we've been hyper-vaccinating everyone. Probably the most egregious example is hepatitis B. It's given on the first year of life to every baby in America. And it's only clinically indicated in an IV drug abusing mother who has active hep B. Everything else is overkill. You know, you could wait on a hepatitis B shot. And if you went into healthcare like me and, you know, we're doing procedures and surgeries and stuff, you know, fine, take a hepatitis B shot. But not every baby is threatened with hepatitis B. I mean, the, these are overkill. You know, the kids nowadays are getting the adult pneumococcal and influenza vaccines. They're not threatened by those diseases at all. A haemophilus influenza B uh, that's a very rare type of hemophilus. There's only 77 cases over 15 years in a CDC study. And, and of, among those, three quarters are fully vaccinated. The vaccine didn't even work. And it keeps going and going. Now there's a respiratory syncytial virus vaccine in pregnant women trying to protect the babies. There's an RSV vaccine in babies and adults. And now this week, respiratory syncytial virus depot monoclonal antibodies to give a child on the day of birth. This is what's being proposed during RSV season. These monoclonal antibodies are a depot injection. They hurt. I can't imagine a child doing this. RSV is the easiest problem to treat. We use albuterol nebulizers, sometimes budesonide. And, and I would think as a doctor, the only child that would need all this extra protection may be a child with lung disease like cystic fibrosis. Not, not, not everybody in America. And like speaking of the doctors, I mean, there's only a tiny percentage standing up during this, but the reality is there's a lot of doctors that are administering this to the children. Surely they know what's going on, or is it just a kickback and they're just lining their pockets? Apparently the kickbacks are huge. Now we learned through COVID, Blue Cross Blue Shield uh, Anthem standard adult panel, doctors were getting a quarter million dollar kickbacks to push the COVID vaccines. Now, pediatricians were told can receive you know, even up to $400,000 kickbacks to push the, the vaccine. So these financial kickbacks have to be eliminated. Doctors need to make decisions on clinical need. Uh, your comment on the pets is interesting because the number and intensity of vaccines in pets has gone up just with animals. And, and again, the environmental threats are not anymore. In fact, pets have even a better life now than they did 100 years ago. And um, the same thing, it makes you wonder, we have a, a cute little dog and she's had lifelong seizures. And, and I do wonder if those seizures were a result of hypervaccination when she was a puppy. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned on another show, and I think it's very relevant, about Weber Shanwick, uh, the marketing firm. You might talk about that because I think most people wouldn't be aware of that, you know, they're in the CDC as well, but what exactly? You might just tell us that story because I think it's uh, very relevant to what we're talking well, about. There's wide open corruption now. Pfizer and Moderna have contracted with Weber Shandwick. 
They're a PR marketing firm, part of the IPG group, the biggest marketing firm in the world. Weber Shandwick has had a, uh, a corporate plan called Plan VX, where they were um, uh, encouraging companies to have vaccine mandates, pushing the vaccines within corporate America. A lot of companies were taking countermeasure funding from the government to push the vaccines. The employees didn't want it. They were forced into it. Now we find Weber Shandwick had an embedded marketing unit within the CDC, within the CDC, pushing, guess what, Pfizer and Moderna. I was always wondering why the U.S. government favored Pfizer and Moderna. We know they, the U.S. government co-owns the patent uh, on the Moderna vaccine, but why would the government favor Pfizer so much? It's because Weber Shandwick is pushing it in the, in the offices of the CDC. In fact, the CDC paid Weber Shandwick over $50 million to, to do this marketing. And so Janssen never saw the light of day or Novavax. And we never hear about them because of the fact that this illegal marketing. Now Weber Shandwick appeared on a, on a marquee with uh, the CEO of the American Board of Internal Medicine. They were going to appear together uh, it, it, at the South by Southwest meeting in Austin, the tech meeting. And the title of their presentation is When Doctors Prescribe Misinformation. So uh, the American Board of Internal Medicine, Weber Shandwick, and, uh, and actually an AI company called Blackbird AI, we're going to present on misinformation as if they can make the determination and they hold information, Pfizer and Moderna information, and others, you know, therefore hold misinformation. Well, this got out and, and American Board of Internal Medicine was disgraced in social media. I noticed they quickly dropped off the marquee and so did Blackbird AI and Weber Shanwick and it turned into something else. Uh, but there's wide open corruption with Pfizer, Moderna and uh, Weber Shanwick, its marketing group. Uh, today, Jim Jordan, uh, U.S. House of Representatives, has a letter out from the House Judiciary Committee. And guess what? It's going to Albert Borla, the European veterinarian CEO of Pfizer. And it's asking him, listen, we want a name of every employee that's been contacting social media, trying to censor social media and push the vaccines, including board of directors member Scott Gottlieb, the young FDA commissioner who joined the Pfizer board and he was caught influencing the Twitter content moderators to, to turn down information on natural immunity. And so he could push the Pfizer vaccines. So corruption is wide open. Yeah, excellent. And with the insurance then when the children are getting the operation, because I know in America, that's a big thing. Are they actually covering the operations or how is it being funded? The transgender operations, I assume you mean. And uh, yeah. we know there that in 2016, the Obama administration said that all gender affirming care must be covered by CMS, that's Medicare, Medicaid, and commercial insurances. So get this, if a homosexual man wants free breast implants, his uh, insurance company has to pay for it. If a woman wants breast implants for a cosmetic reason, she's got to pay for it himself. Uh, the same thing with um, these surgeries, you know, some of the surgeries done on men are just horrific. One of them is called the penile inversion vaginoplasty. Sounds bad, and it is 
horrific. The penis is sliced long ways. The, the, the inner components are cored out, is turned into a tube, inverted, stuffed into the pelvis. Testicles are removed. Uh, the urine doesn't drain normally. It gets infected. It doesn't really have any sexual function. I mean, it's grossly disfiguring and sterilizing, complicated surgical revisions. And guess what? Commercial insurance or the U.S. government is paying for it all. I have firsthand information that the you know men in the military who are uh, you know desire to have a fantasy to look like look like a girl. The U.S. military is paying for all the hormones, the surgery, the repeat surgery, hair depolarization, changing the voice uh, by personal communication. One such man, he hasn't been on duty for five months because he's too busy doing all these gender change uh, care visits. You, you can see how this has become so distorted. Incredible. And like with all the craziness in the world, I mean, it looks like, you know, Vanguard, BlackRock control everything. I mean, with everything that you've been looking at, it's like, can you see that as well? And what's your thoughts on how we can stop all this? It's true. Uh, Larry Fink at, at BlackRock said uh, that people need uh, substantial encouragement, uh, so-called nudge theory to kind of nudge them into these changes. I think it's all being coordinated by the World Economic Forum. Think and all these people go to Davos every year. They fly on private planes. They have secret meetings. I looked over last year's agenda at the World Economic Forum. You know, only 22% of it was on economics. The rest of it is on uh, transhumanism, science fiction, uh, all, the, all the things that we're talking about right now. The World Economic Forum and this biopharmaceutical complex, this is like a science fiction movie, but it's going on for real. These are like bad guys on a Tom Cruise movie, Mission Impossible or The Avengers or Too Fast, Too Furious, where there's a group of, of diabolical people who want to change the world. I think that's actually what we're really dealing with right now. And like with the, like your, your charity as well, I think that's fantastic. And I know you're actually helping in Ireland because they were trying to jab the children. And I know that you're helping with them as well. But with all the court cases that you've been involved with, have you seen any light at the end of the tunnel? And what we're seeing is a giant test of wills. I recently was in Canadian court uh, for young Dr. Trousey. Dr. Mark Trousey is a rural ER physician. He just wants to work and take care of patients. He has been banned from medicine. He's had his license taken away from since December of 2022 because he's not going along with the vaccine narrative. And, um, you know, within seven hours of questioning by the attorney for the College of Physicians and Surgeons in Ontario, she couldn't ask a substantive question. She was trying to impeach me virtually the entire time and asking me to, you know, give certain, you know, attestations regarding videos that I've given. You know, I've given, I have 25 million hits on the internet. I've given thousands and thousands of videos like this one. I set all the records on Joe Rogan, set Tucker Carlson off on a two-year uh, journey that led to the end of his Fox career. Um, you know, multiple state and, and U.S. testimonies. I've testified in European Parliament recently. And I just told her, I said, listen, get on to the matter at hand about Dr. Trousey. She never asked me one question about the doctor. She only brought up two studies 
One was on uh, Guillain-Barre syndrome after vaccines. And I told her, yeah, I thought it was dangerous and a bad uh, outcome. And then the failure of the vaccines at University of California, San Diego, that was published in New England Journal of Medicine. So you know, she didn't accomplish anything that the, the Canadian doctors were thrilled with their, you know, with the ineptitude of the attorneys. Most of these entities, they don't even want to face off in court. Most of them are just trying to um, defame the defendants, uh, delay, and they inflict wounds on the defendants through legal fees. So Trousey is being charged every day for some type of fine by the, the College of Physicians and Surgeons. He doesn't have the money. He's a young guy. So listen, I, I don't have it. So uh, most of these court cases, there's no fairness in the court. There's not like a judge is going to be fair or whatever. Most of the court cases are, are oriented to doing harm. And I think, I think the ship will turn, but we, not, we, we, need, we need to see one big victory where there's a fair judge who comes down on the side of the law. What's gone on is almost all the attorneys and judges, they took the vaccine themselves. So they're not unbiased. I mean, we need judges who are unvaccinated so they can give us a clear uh, look at things. These guys took the vaccines and they can't face the truth that the vaccine is in their body now and we can't get it out. No, excellent. Thank you very much, Peter. I'll pass you on to Hartman. Thank you, Peter. It's such a pleasure to have you here. And um, I want to come back to the transgender and the children. And I was really well shocked when you said that the children shall uh, have to take 100 shots uh to a specific age and um in i would like to give an information with respect to maybe maybe a connection or correlation between injections and the transgender yeah because I don't know whether you know it, but there was in 2010, there was an article in National Geographics uh, by Peter Frederick, uh, who is a white ecologist at the University of Florida in Gainesville. And he has examined white ibises in Florida, in the Everglades. And the interesting thing was that the population of the white ibises reduced from year to year. And then they made four groups of 160 white ibises, and they gave them in the food a specific quantity of mercury. And in the fourth group, there was no mercury. And the interesting thing was that the male white ibises started a homosexual behavior, and at the end, the ibises, which took the mercury, they, the population reduced by 35% in comparison to the control group. And if, if we, and we know that in, in, in the Japs, there are, uh, there, there is mercury. So um, maybe this is also a, a topic where someone should take a look at. At the moment, we only know it from this article from 2010 with respect to the animals, but no one has examined it with respect to human beings. That's such an interesting observation. So some of the vaccines contain thiomerosol, which is a form of mercury. It's, it's basically an irritant. It's in order to 
try to rev up the immune system. Uh, other shots contain aluminum, and even allergy shots the kids take contain aluminum. Uh, both aluminum and mercury are neurotoxins. They're clearly toxic to the brain. It's the first I've heard that mercury could be feminizing to some neural cells, particularly in this, uh, this line of organisms. But there has been an observation of a feminization of men. You've probably heard of this. Men are becoming more feminine. And, uh, and it may have to do with hormones, more proximal hormones in the food supply. So there's hormones yes, yes. used uh, in, in milk, you know, sourcing in the milk supply, the, the beef and others. And uh, people are concerned about this feminization of, of, of men. Uh, you know, we do know that uh, th there is a proportion of the transgender population that's before puberty. That's pretty small, by the way. Most of the transgender population is adult men with homosexual or bisexual um, characteristics, and they get breast implants and dress up like girls. I don't know if you saw this recently, but but Miss Netherlands, a man yes. won a woman's beauty contest. Um, some of the men, uh, they don't change anything. They just declare that they're women and they compete in women's sports. Uh, like, uh, like that man who beat Riley Gaines at swimming, for instance. There was a Yes, man yes. Who, who won a mountain bike race in Phoenix uh, recently. They're just simply men who sign up in the women's category. Uh, the men don't show any signs of having penile surgery or castration or even taking female hormones. Uh, I think the majority of the, the transgender, though, is adult men getting breast implants, and then they dress up like women. So they have a fantasy. Uh, to, they're still men. Uh, they have a normal functioning penis and testicles. They're very involved, by the way, in pornography. So if you were to go on Twitter and, and type in hashtag she male or femboy, you'll see man after man with breast implants dressing up like a girl, but having anal sex with other men. And, and the yeah. published studies show that population is very promiscuous, high rates of syphilis, gonorrhea, chlamydia, human papillomavirus. Oh, by the way, the HPV vaccine doesn't work. It's been studied. And uh, the Gardasil vaccine in men and the homosexual, you know, bisexual men, <laughs> transsexual, and they just pass it to each other readily. So the vaccine is useless. Um, but I think the majority of transgender is exactly that. It's just uh, men who have this uh, fantasy and uh, they find it uh, very sexually um, arousing to have sex with other men that look like women. One of these men was on the lawn of the White House. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, you know Biden had a pride picnic on the White House lawn, and there was a man, and he was dressed like a, as a woman, and he had breast implants, and he he shook um, uh, President Biden's hand, and then uh, later on, I guess in his exuberance, he pulls down the top of his dress. And he starts fondling his breast implants. And the first thing that came to mind is he's a man. You know, men are used to going with, you know, no shirt on in, on a sunny day. And he probably didn't think twice about it. So he's a man who just has breast implants. He's not a woman. I see it. I see it from the psychological point of view. Um, for example, you have the victim and you have a torturer, for example. And the and the and the target of a torture is to break the will of the victim, mm. and um, and the interesting thing is 
in the moment when the victim, the will of the victim is broken, the, the victim starts by himself or herself to torture others as they accept the torturer as their teacher. Oh, and man. Uh, this is everything is written in uh, the uh, torture report from Amnesty International from 90, from 1974. It's a brilliant book to read. And the interesting thing is concerning the pandemic. The pandemic was about destruction of the will of the people. And now, when the when the when this wall is broken. In that moment, you have to put enough, sorry, shit in the brain so that the will cannot be established again. Mm. So that the people again, so for example, everything, let's say it this way, no one had, myself, for example, I don't have anything against transgender as long as do it, as they do it privately and between adults and they, they don't affect the children. And I would say, as long as they pay for it themselves, I don't mind if a homosexual man gets breast implants or if a homosexual woman gets a mastectomy, but they should pay for it themselves. I don't want to have to pay for it. Yes, but but the point is, now they take the children. They come for the children. And this is a, this is a border where they, where they overstep. Mm-hmm. And well, it was it was chilling when they were chanting, we are queer, we are here, we're coming for our children. I don't know if you've seen some of these pornography books that are pouring into K through 12 schools now, pouring in. One of them is called Gay Queer, and the, the teachers don't even know where this is coming from. It's just literally the boxes are pouring into the libraries, and children are being taught how to perform sex acts in the prepubertal years. There's after-school sex clubs. Uh, encouraging anal sex uh, in the open. I mean, this is uh, this is grossly disturbing. The kids need to focus on math and reading and English. Uh, instead, they're 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 being preyed upon with this hypersexual agenda. It could be a, it could be a kind of traumatization, and it could be a kind of torture from the early from the early age. Because the interesting thing about it was a long time ago that I read an article about elite schools in the United States. And the elite schools were led by specific churches and there were they were the children were tortured or raped by the teachers and by the priests. And the interesting thing of such children is that first of all the children will obey for his rest of the life because it is it is it was one was more powerful than him so he need so he knows from the beginning the situation of a victim and secondly the the brain because of the, its fear the brain starts to hyperactive to get hyperactivated mm. so they have a very powerful brain they can write very good tasks they will do very good exams but at the end, and they will very good, and they will get very good jobs. But at the end, they are completely control. They can they are controllable. Jeez, yeah. this sounds terrible. You know, there's so much despair. There's over a thousand Australia doctors 
who've been decertified because they won't take the vaccines and go along with the government false narrative. Do you know dozens have committed suicide now? These are qualified yeah. doctors. Uh, there, there are large numbers of Canadian, French, other doctors, nurses on the sidelines because they didn't go along with the genetic injections every six months. Do you know if someone's following the U.S. government program right now, they're on their seventh genetic shot, seventh, number seven. Do you know anybody who's taken seven shots? I don't. Only five. That's Oh, no. Wow. Four to five, yeah. This is still in the last March. Last March they took it. It's unbelievable. And and concerning the, uh, it, it's what I find very interesting is that the transgenderism is forced by the feminism or by the feministic groups, if I understand it correctly so far. Mm. It, it's complicated, but they're they're using. Um... They're using, in a sense, a, a, a propaganda tactic, and, and this one is called inclusion. So what they're saying is that they're they are of uh, they are transgender from birth, so therefore they must be accepted. And the work by Grossman and colleagues suggests, you know, they're born as a boy or girl, just as they always were for hundreds and thousands of years. That that hasn't changed. So their, their decision to be transgender is trying to force this idea that they must be included making this decision. And what makes matters worse is, uh, you know, experts believe a, a, a child can't make such a long reaching permanent decision. These transgender hormones and surgeries, 80% are sterilizing. You can't get it back after a month, uh, they're forever changed. They're disfiguring, and uh, in the end, they result in uh, higher rates of homicide, suicide, death from other causes, and increased psychiatric care. Transgender medicine is actually bad medicine. No doctor should do it. I, I wouldn't do it under any circumstances, prescribe these drugs or refer a patient for surgery. No doctor should, and states are banning it. They're trying to shut it down. Uh, and then courts are trying to reverse it. I mean, it's an epic struggle right now. Uh, Arkansas had a law to ban transgender medicine. Then uh, a judge overturned it. Uh, the ACLU, by the way, is now, you know, after being silent during COVID, has come out strongly in favor of protecting transgender rights. Uh, Texas, it, transgender medicine is banned, but now there's a gold rush to get all this done before September 1st. Louisiana banned it, and then the government uh, vetoed it, and now the uh, legislator just overturned the governor's veto. So why does the governor want transgender medicine so badly? Why, why does it? Why does a judge in Arkansas want transgender medicine so badly? What, what is it about them that wants to see children get disfiguring, sterilizing surgery, and damaging hormones? No one can explain it. It's, um, yeah, I think it's a kind of reduction of population. And, um, and of course, in my opinion, I, I, um, in my opinion, it's very interesting, for example, that in the, uh, at the end TV awards, you can see many or some musicians who make satanic rituals on stage. 
And the interesting thing is, in the cage, in the cages, every time you see women. And I ask myself, why is this so? Oh, let's say it this way. What symbolizes it? What is the symbolize? What is the symbolization of this? Yeah, the cage. You put someone in the cage to torture or to kill, or to put him away for many years. This is the. This is the. This is the. This is um, the the aim of a cage. And you see in the cages women. Yeah, and this is. Um, and now they start, now they start to produce children in industry complexes. And I would like to know what kind of, what kind of gender do they have in these complexes? Do they have male or do they have female or do they have both? This would be a very interesting question. So they Boy, can it's as if you're just de describing uh, Adolf Huxley's Brave New World. Uh, it, let me say this much that um, I've noticed at the Emmy Awards, uh, at some of the transgender rallies, uh, particularly ones in the Texas Capitol, uh, there's a gay pride parade and they all feature Satan or Satanism. Uh, you're right, satanic rituals, uh, uh, dressing as devils, all this alluring, uh, sexualized uh, dancing. Uh, there's uh, one scene you can see it's prominently on the internet where it's a pride uh, parade and they have, they have a, a giant pride banner and right across it, it says Satan in huge letters. So it's out in the open. You know, the, the pride parade was recently uh, upgraded to include the autism infinity symbol. That's from the, from the autism society since 1999, the, the uh, infinity symbol has been added to the, the, the pride flag to symbolize what's called neurodiversity and the American Autism Society strongly supports transgenderism is opposing transgender bans. So you're right. There's a theme here of uh, Satanism, transgenderism, uh, autism. It's almost as if uh, Satan is, is torturing people in some way or, or, uh, or demonically possessing their minds. Um, yes. And what, yeah, what's going on is a group disturbia, no matter what interpretation you, you would apply. Because I can tell you, this is happening in Muslim societies, Hindu. I've been all over the world. You know, Putin is trying to put down a transgender crisis in Russia, and, and they're basically an atheistic society. It's going on, whatever's going on is going all over the world, uh, all, all religions simultaneously. And um, I think we... We are only we are really at the be beginning of this movement, because uh, here in Germany, for example, we know exactly what it means when specific flags hang from buildings, like ministries, police stations. Yeah, we have cars with the with the rainbow flags. Yeah, in Germany, the police cars with rainbow flags. Yeah. So, and. Um, there is it, it's true what does it mean you know there was a houston uh which a huge study fourth largest city in the united states they they turned all the police cars to rainbow flags and then there's a video in houston where there was a a police officer and he pulls over his his car right on a busy street corner in a parking lot 
and he gets down and he strips naked to somehow celebrate pride time. And there he is standing there naked uh, in front of all these people as a police officer. He's on duty. You know, there's other graphic images where men, and these look like grown men who have real jobs and stuff where they they, they were naked. Uh, they sprayed themselves with all these colors. They were riding bicycles and, and, and trying to show off their genitals right in front of small children. Parents were bringing their small children to see this. You know, I can tell you as a doctor, uh, children ages zero to 10 are very impressionable. All they need, need to do is see that scene once or see one pornography book in the library and, and the brain is permanently imprinted. The brain yep. is imprinted. Parents listening to this should understand they should never take their children to these uh, pride events or these parties. They should never have their child uh, to have one of these books assigned to them at school, these pornography books, because it permanently changes uh, the brain. All children have some gender dysphoria. They all have some gender ambiguity. And what clears it up is to go through normal puberty. Normal puberty corrects the problem not hormone blockers or surgery. Yeah, and um, the point is that I think the future or the plan of the World Economic Forum is to establish this kind of society worldwide and to de-establish uh, the family system, yeah, the traditional system. And this is forced like the... Um, um, like the red flag in the Soviet Union or like our flag in Germany. So these kind of forces will secure that this kind of society will be established. This is, and this, no, is a reason, this is a possibility. I talk about a possibility because um, it is very unusual that such a flag is hanging all over the official buildings worldwide. And also, well, it, it's true at Rockefeller Center, they changed all the flags of 193 countries to the pride flag. I'm here in Dallas, Texas. I'm looking across the street at my neighbor's house. He's got a pride flag out there. So you're right, it's happening all over. You know, we're going to have to close it out here. Grace, do you want to close it out with some final words? If you can please uh, say the final words, Dr. McCullough, and other more information. And while you're doing that, I'm just going to do a ticker for some websites that's available to really for really good support. And thank you again. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Okay, so thank great. You so well, much. I want to encourage everybody to visit my um, my new foundation webpage. So McCulloughfnd.org. And that's going to provide a great support for my continued work uh, in so many areas. So I have the leading medical substack called Courageous Discourse. I write it with John Leake. Everyday videos, updates. Uh, I will, I'll get the Jim Jordan letter out today that I cited. Um, my podcast, America Out Loud Talk Radio, McCullough Report, every Saturday and Sunday, 2 p.m. Eastern, America Out Loud. It's now called America Out Loud News, McCullough Report. And then it's on the Apple iHeart Podcast Network during the week. My book, Courage to Face COVID-19, a five-star Amazon bestseller, probably going to be a major motion picture. You got to get the book now, read it. You read it in a couple hours. It's, it's the best-selling, best-reading book of the COVID genre. Uh, and then be sure to uh, you know visit my website, uh, McCullough Protocol. We're shortly going to have a protocol for detoxification after the vaccine. 
called Base Spike Detox. That paper is nearly over the finish line and fully accepted. Uh, it will be a widely used protocol. I'll just tell you, I'll feature what's in it right now. Uh, detoxification can be done with over-the-counter products, natokinase, natokinase 2000 units twice a day, bromelain, another family of enzymes, 500 uh, once a day. Th these work to dissolve the spike protein. They're also pretty powerful blood thinners. And then uh, curcumin taken twice a day, which is now has randomized trial data supporting anti-inflammatory against the spike protein. So again, natokinase, bromelain, and curcumin, this will be what's called base spike support. I think everybody's going to need it with multiple COVID events, multiple shots, and then we prescribe additional drugs on top of it. I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. Again, visit my foundation website, McCulloughFND.org. And thank you again. And just remember, for those of you, this episode will be uploaded in all different platforms. So not just in where you're looking at it now, but in BitChute, Rumble, Brighty, and so don't, don't, don't panic. It, you can still see it. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you and have a good day and bless you. And God bless you, Dr. McCullough, thank you. and all of you. Great, great combo. Thanks.